So be honest. How much do you know about Mahandas Gandhi? Mahan, Mahan, how do you say it? So be honest. How much do you know about Montana Gandhi? Hang on. Okay, Mahandas Gandhi. What do you know? Do you know things? If you're like me and you haven't seen this film, you probably know he was known for being peaceful and was a political figure. And that's about it. Gandhi was, to me, a caricature or a meme online, not a real person who accomplished some great things in his lifetime. And that's really unfortunate because Gandhi was pretty amazing, but that was the extent of my knowledge. The 1982 film Gandhi by director Richard Attenborough was a labor of love to pay respect to the man who ended British rule in India. The character of Gandhi is realized in a pretty brilliant way by actor Ben Kingsley, who poured himself into the role. And it all paid off. This film won Oscars for Best Picture, Best Screenplay, Best Actor, Best Director, and four other categories. Now, this is not a film we picked. It's on our list because it's the Best Picture winner from 1982. We've had some major flops in this category from other years, including Terms of Endearment, which won just the year after this one. So I was initially a little hesitant to watch this film, but this is a great film. This is the Best Picture winner that really was an amazing film, and we wouldn't have seen it had we not included it in our list this way. More than just the character of Gandhi, though, this film really summarizes effective protest and shows us how it should work and why it works. Mental health may be a bit of a stretch with this one, but we do get into the psychology of protest, including why it works, why it often doesn't, and what's happening to protest in our current political environments. This film is a great primer to talk about that. So get ready for us to talk about the film's important achievements in cinematography, how the character of Gandhi is humanized but still revered, and what's going on with protest in this episode of Peculiar Picture Show, the podcast that talks about movies, maladies, and mental health. Welcome to Peculiar Picture Show, the podcast that talks about movies, maladies, and mental health. I am Maria Malazzo. And I am your other host, Brandon Gregory. So today we are going over Gandhi, the 1982 film. And I had not seen this before. Had you seen it before, Maria? I saw it a long time ago, and I'm not sure if I saw it like all the way through or just like parts and pieces. So this was the first time where I actually sat down and watched the entire three hour plus movie. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so like Gandhi, I I had never seen the film and the the character of Gandhi was always this kind of weird mythical character that I knew he was like super peaceful. And then that's about it. And people kind of made fun of that because I mean, Weird Al in his movie had like a, a, a parody sequel to Gandhi. Gandhi too. He's back. And this time he's pissed or something like that about how he was this crime fighter. Um, and like Gandhi's peacefulness actually caused a bug in a video game in civilization too. Have you heard about that? No. Um, so yeah, in civilization too, you'd be playing and basically they got like the most famous world leaders to be like, be that nation's leader. And so you'd play and you'd be some country and then over India would be Gandhi. Um, And so everybody would kind of like, you know, you'd set up trade routes and occasionally somebody would get mad and maybe declare war or something like that. And everything's fine. Gandhi's super peaceful until nuclear power gets invented and Gandhi just starts going berserk and nuking everyone. And so what it like, everybody was like, what is up with this? Yeah, there there was a programming error where um, in the game, they decided that when nuclear power came out, it was actually going to make everybody more peaceful. 
Um, and so everybody got like a negative one to their aggression score. Well, the problem is Gandhi was already at zero. And so it rather oh. than go to negative one, it pushed him to 255 because of a programming error. So, it, yeah, it's like nobody in the game was actually supposed to get this aggressive. It was just this theoretical thing. But it pushed Gandhi to like this super, super aggressive and he just nukes everyone. And so like now it's, it's kind of a so famous like thing. Him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, yeah, Gandhi was so peaceful, I actually caused a programming error and civilization, the, the subsequent civilization games actually kind of put that in just as a joke um, because it was such a famous part of civilization, too, I think. Yeah, it sounds like a, the Y2K scare, you know, you know, <laughs> yeah. spe- speaking so, of we just went into 2020. Right. And right, I know yeah. there was a lot of memes or whatever going around about Y2K or everyone like I don't know why. Because it's 20 years later, I guess. I don't know. I don't remember in 2010 everyone saying, remember Y2K. But anyway, that just sounds like the Y2K glitch is like some, no one thought of that when they when they put in like right. the whole civilization. They didn't think, oh, well, Gandhi's at like of the lowest. How is he going to go lower? Yeah. OK, yeah, and so, interesting. Yeah, nobody, nobody thought to test gandhi for aggression score you know because who would think to test gandhi for aggression score (laughs) and so yeah if you google nuclear gandhi you'll find all kinds of memes about gandhi like threatening nuclear war in this game um so but aside from those two things i don't know much. i didn't know much about gandhi and so that you know that was my delightful little aside for this just to say i didn't know much about gandhi he was just kind of this almost like a caricature or a meme in my mind and so Mm -hmm. um this is my first time really seeing like what who he was and what he did and so Mm. i enjoyed the movie it was slow it was long and Mm -hmm. slow but i really enjoyed the movie so um yeah um i i I didn't know and I feel like when growing up and when I was younger I feel like Gandhi came up way more in conversation and I don't know why I don't I mean I guess because obviously every year it gets further and further away from when he was actually living in here but I put him like kind of in that category of Mother Teresa kind of thing where it's these like all good like people that like came about after some really tough things that were going on. And I just, and some of the, sometimes when I was watching this movie, I was thinking, why don't we have like a Gandhi figure or Mother Teresa figure now? Are we? Because <laughs> this is should, America. Right. I know. Like, <laughs> should, is that what we need? Maybe we do need. Probably. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And so, I mean, I feel now like. now we have a Trump figure and that's. Eh, right. Yeah, and, it's, so. and, it's, and, and it's like the opposite of Gandhi, but it's like, I, I don't know, maybe that's what we need. We need a Gandhi like figure I, I don't know so i didn't i didn't know very much about him either um like i said i feel like i heard a lot more about him when i was younger there were you know um just like you hear a lot more about jimmy hoffa so <laughs> here i'm yeah. here i am i'm gonna connect gandhi and jimmy hoffa um i heard it's all a crossover about, episode yeah <laughs> exactly i heard all about jimmy hoffa growing up there was all those jimmy hoffa jokes and where's jimmy hoffa and blah 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 and like now you don't hear it anymore and there are people who are growing up that you can actually talk to and converse with like maybe your son that don't know who jimmy jimmy hoffa is <laughs> i just well, think he does that's now crazy. because yeah the irishman just came out and it's about oh, jimmy okay. hoffa so, and ooh, so he, he actually oh, uh, i got okay. i got him a book on jimmy hoffa now so um okay never yeah, mind so well some yeah, this never was mind a good that. conversation before so the irishman yeah. came out but yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but but yeah like i just i feel like he's not talked about 
very much anymore. And um, and I don't right. I didn't know that much about him. There's a lot. There's a lot going on with Gandhi, right? right? And the film even comments on that in the beginning. And it says we couldn't fit everything we could in. You know, it, uh-huh. you're, you're fitting everything into a three hour movie. And so a lot of I think the movie does seem really abbreviated. Um and because it's just so hard to encompass one life into such a format, right? And I thought it was in, right. like, good that at least the movie commented on itself, like kind of said that in the beginning. And I thought that yeah, was it's, uh that was good. And I mean, this movie w- was huge when it came out. It won eight Oscars. Mm-hmm. So I mean, best picture, best screenplay, best director, best actor, like and uh, like four others. And so yeah. it was a, a huge deal when it came out. Um, mm-hmm. And then I kind of looked into like what were you know the political events of the 80s and did that really lead into anything i couldn't find anything but then i actually found some interesting information um it was actually a civil servant in india approached richard richard attenborough the director Mm. and said Mm -hmm. you should make a film about gandhi this was 1962 and so it took 20 Mm -hmm. years from that initial pitch to actually make the movie and so i don't think this was intended to be relevant to the political events of the 80s i think it was just intended to be a respectful and deep look at gandhi Um, and like india loved this film i think they paid for like a third of the budget directly out of the you know the government's treasury um and so like initially there was some major concern because they're like there's a white guy making a f- film about gandhi they were kind of right. concerned a Richard Attenborough actually, yeah british yeah on top like of that. that yeah 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 <laughs> um so yeah in an early press conference um a woman actually suggested that gandhi only be portrayed as like this brilliant white light moving across the screen <laughs> and so uh, because gandhi was considered like a deity by many right, people in india mm-hmm. and so he was this superhero figure and so he paid a lot of respect um so ben kingsley is biracial but he is half indian in fact his family is from the same region as gandhi yeah um and ben kingsley looks so much like gandhi that in some of the small rural villages they were filming at they actually believed him to be gandhi kind of come back to life a few people did and Kingsley was so excited to get the part because he was a relatively like unknown actor at the time. As soon as he got mm-hmm. the part, he flew to India and just lived there like everybody else just to kind of get in character, right. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The funeral scene, which amazingly well done scene, I had assumed they had just taken footage from something else. But no, they actually set up and filmed that scene by itself. There are over wow. 300,000 yeah. extras. In that scene. That is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah, a lot. That is <laughs> a lot ridiculous. They're all volunteers. And basically, they were all there because they loved Gandhi. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, you have to imagine how, you know, how much respect these people had for Gandhi. And like, it, that really comes through in the the film. It's, it's very respectful of Gandhi. Um, and actually, oddly enough, when the film came out, there were several British journalists that wrote articles criticizing the film and Gandhi. Um, and so apparently they were still kind of a little Whoa. bitter over that whole thing. Yeah. I was like, how could you hate Gandhi? Come on. So um, I know. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, at first I was a little concerned. I was like, okay, this is going to be just like too black and white. It's like the good guys are going to be really good and the bad guys are going to be really bad. But no, it was morally kind of interesting to see what they did with that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think like the beginning may have had a bit of that vibe, but it definitely got much more complex as it went on. So I, yeah, I have to say I enjoyed this movie. Um, but like I said, it is long and slow. So I don't know that yeah. I'm going to jump back in line to watch it again, like immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah.
I know you just kind of talked, you, you said you did like this movie, but what were some of the things, uh, do you want to talk a little bit more about some of the things that you liked about the film? Um, yeah, I guess first and foremost would be the great portrayal of nonviolent protest. And so, like I said, that's kind of all I knew about Gandhi was he was nonviolent and protested things. Um, and that, you know, perhaps somewhat unsurprisingly was kind of the the cornerstone of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but this it, it went way beyond what I would expect if you just said this is a movie about nonviolent protest. So it didn't try to sugarcoat anything there. There was a real pain and suffering that came from that protest. Uh, but Gandhi encouraged everyone to stick with it. And it's because everyone stuck with it and because it was nonviolent that it worked. And so there's a, a part of the film very early on in the film where Gandhi actually quotes mm-hmm. the Bible and he, he quotes the passage about turning the other cheek and he turns it into a statement of strength and not submission because I mean that mm-hmm. passage I think was originally meant to be one of civil disobedience and resistance to oppression and over the years it just kind of morphed into the statement of keeping your head down and passively accepting things and so it's interesting that you know Gandhi a Hindu character actually took back this phrase um, and returned it to its original meaning um and then, of course, Kingsley's performance as Gandhi was just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I think you you said, like, Marlon Brando was, like, rumored to. Yeah. I, I think he wanted the role. I don't know that he was being seriously considered. Oh, okay. But, I mean, Marlon, Marlon Brando would have, like, overpowered this role. Um, and I think most of those big actors, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he'd be, like, yelling, like, I'm Gandhi. You're like, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, like, I think most of those big actors, like, can you imagine, like, Al Pacino doing his manic performance thing in something? I don't think he was up for it. But um, that's the thing about Kingsley is it was powerful, but it was not loud. Um, and that's mm-hmm. a very right. interesting balance to strike. And so it was such a strong performance, but he was not a loud character. It was not uh, a, a very much a quiet, peaceful character. Um, and that, I think, so captured the Gandhi character. Um, so there's uh, there's that little scene where Gandhi and his wife are showing their Western guests like how their wedding happened. Um, and then they, right. it, I, I think it really humanized Gandhi, but then Gandhi explains, oh yeah, we were 13 at the time and it was an arranged uh-huh. marriage. <laughs> so like clearly they, they weren't in love. They didn't know what love was, but they were dedicated to love and they made mm-hmm. it work. And I think that was like that scene. It seemed a little out of place at the moment, but I think it, it really spoke to how he is dedicated to love and making love work, even when it doesn't make sense. Um, so, I mean, there were just so many little scenes of depth like that, that, uh, gave this character a much more definition. And of course the, the sets and costumes were all top notch. They filmed almost everything in India. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, and this one, I think Oscars for set design and costumes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I was saying like, initially I was worried this was going to be like sugary sweet. And so like in your face with the morality, but the ending, I think really elevated this film. Um, and be- because it, it ends on a downer note. Um, and so it ends on a dark note. This isn't just a heartwarming story about a guy who really cared. It shows how ugly humanity can be even after they've had oppression lifted from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think, I mean, that's a bold statement to make, but especially in this 80s era where everybody was trying to be a blockbuster, everybody was trying to be, you know, the next Jaws that everybody liked. Um, and you you make a bold choice like that. This was especially bold for its day. And so it would have been really easy to shoehorn in a happy ending or just stop it before that, um, especially since the beginning of the film was somewhat upbeat. But it ends on this really dark note. And I really appreciated that. 
Um, so those are the things I liked. What what did you like about it? Um, well, a lot of the things you mentioned, the one thing that I really wrote down here is uh, the set design and um, just really putting you there. And it just it was very beautiful. I mean, the funeral um, some of the, some mm-hmm. of the shots are very epic and beautiful, and I um I, I liked um kind of exploring that 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 really stood out to me. Um, obviously the acting was amazing. Um, I love biopic films, films based on somebody's life, based on history. I find Gandhi fascinating, so I find mm-hmm. I found the subject matter really interesting for me, and so um. So that was just enough to really propel me into enjoying the movie and, and, and being fine with sitting through three hours <laughs> of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, there are some some negative sides to that, but I'll get into that later. But 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 really, I, I think what stood out to me was just um, really the set design. If I had to mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and putting us in there in, in that um, in that kind of in the scene, in the moment. And so I, I appreciated that. Brandon, what did you dislike about this film? (laughs) I've got one and it seems kind of petty for me to bring up, but honestly, it was hard for me and that this is really long and slow. Um, and this, this was very good. It's very well done. I'm glad I saw it, but I had to split this into three separate sessions, um, because I was just like, this is so (laughs) long and slow. And so (laughs) it probably says a lot more about me than the movie. Um, but (laughs) it's like, it didn't hold my attention. Like three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, like that. I was gripped throughout the film and this, I was just like, okay, we got like 30 more years of Gandhi. So <laughs> Thirty that more years really, of Gandhi. Yes, that, that was Maybe my that only real be problem. Maybe that should be this episode title. Thirty more 30 years. More years of Gandhi. Thirty more years of Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that's like, like I said, it's kind of petty for me to bring that up, but that's all I had. So, mm-hmm. what did you dislike about this film? So that is kind of my my beef with it. Like I like I love the biopic films and stuff based on history, but I'm like maybe I'm not a fan of them anymore um, because mm-hmm. it's just so hard to get everything in and give everything its proper time. And because of this, I felt like the movie seemed like it was made for people who already know who Gandhi is and the Gandhi story mm-hmm. at least even more than I knew because there were some things. Where I was like, wait a minute, what just happened? I didn't get a proper transition. I but I know they were just trying to cover stuff, but like I just I I didn't know I didn't know it just seemed like to come out of like who was the the the, the white lady that came and visited um, and <laughs> yeah, to stay it was with a, him? A real lady, just yeah. all of a sudden, like she came. Were they corresponding beforehand? Like I didn't know. You know, it was that uh-huh. she just came and there was no explanation of this person. We've been, you know. I don't know, writing let I have no idea or or just uh I followed you from this place, Gandhi or something. So like there were things like that where I was just like, okay, like okay, yeah, whatever. Like I don't know what's going on, but I'm just gonna go with it. Um <laughs> so um so that's the kind of stuff where I think because they were trying to get all that stuff in that um then then maybe it was shortchanging a lot of things. And I I, I 
maybe that this is just not the medium to tell an entire story like this. Maybe, Richard, maybe the solution is to have more of these um, films, biography films, where they just kind of focus on like one part of the person's life, like really briefly. Like Shakespeare in Love? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly like Shakespeare in Love, except not like that. Except not like that. But like that, yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, like just one here, like maybe the, if this just told the story of like Gandhi in South Africa or something and really focused on that. So I I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't know. Um, Still great movie. I'm just saying it was a lot to do to do it is also pretty dated it's horribly slow in some parts way too fast in others and the style slightly uh-huh. reminded me of terms of endearment which is if you recall <laughs> which i think was movie, just one year after this right one year after yeah. won the best picture after gandhi best, oh um, gosh what a letdown yeah so. so it's slightly just because of the weird transitions and the, some of the some of the music um the the just like the very dramatic kind of cheesy transition music i don't know how to Mm -hmm. describe that i it's the do 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 you know how i like to sing it's the same thing every single time where i was like it sounded like do 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 it's always that's the same thing you're saying for uh spirited away so i exactly for everything that we've ever said for music This is the same theme um, because uh, that's how I, I just I'm not I'm not good at music anyway. Um, <laughs> so so, yeah, that those were that that was it for me. Um, nothing, nothing really more, but still good. movie. Right. Yeah. There, um, apparently, yeah. Murphy Brown was in this as a reporter. Right. So, yes. Candace Bergen. Murphy, yeah. Murphy Brown yeah. comes and writes a story about him. I love so. Murphy Brown. We all well, <laughs> wrote a poem about recall, Murphy Brown. Yeah, so. I wrote a poem that ended with Murphy Brown. So was, that's yeah. why I like what, that. What episode was that? Dead I, Poet Society, right? It was, I think, maybe okay. the Dead Poet Society. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you are also a Murphy Brown fan listener, go and listen to our Dead Poet Society yeah, uh, episode. Yeah, it may have been at the an end. an original poem from Maria. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, an original poem, oh, gosh, yeah, <laughs> from when I was 10. to say about mental health um i i went in a direction with this and i hopefully it's true to the spirit of the film like i i don't think there's anything in this about like mental illness or anything like that so i didn't go that direction but the cornerstone of this film seems to be protest and um you know gandhi had a very specific formula for protest and it was shown to be very effective um so his peaceful peaceful protest was uh, you know peaceful but it was powerful Um, And so I actually started looking into the psychology of protests and um, I found a little bit Mm -hmm. of stuff. There was actually a a psychological study where um, they they took just random people, random sampling of people and showed them different types of protests to see how they would react. Um, And so there was this belief among protesters that any media coverage was good. And so the more media coverage you get, the better. Uh, But the study found that it's actually more about quality than quantity. 
So in the study, mm. protesters were lumped into two groups. There were peaceful protesters that were displaying signs or chanting. And then there were extreme protesters who they would block traffic. In some cases, they blocked people from attending rallies of political people they didn't like. So there were people that were blocking people from going to a Trump rally, or in some cases they resorted to violence. And so, so you know, perhaps somewhat unsurprisingly, I think we know this, the study found that the peaceful protests actually garnered sympathy. They're like, okay, I could see their points. Whereas when the test subjects, the uh, people who were taking the test were shown videos of extreme protesting, they actually showed sympathy for the opposite cause. And so people on both sides of the political spectrums actually said, I have more sympathy for Trump after seeing these videos. Um, and so it's like I, I heard one person say you kind of have to choose between effectiveness or exposure because the extreme protesters get the exposure. But that's it's not a good exposure because more exposure is not good. It has to be the right kind of exposure. And so. Just like it's shown in the movie, the point of protest is not to punish wrongdoing. It's not to express anger. The yeah. point of protest is to like expose a system of violence and oppression. And right. so it's it's to say, hey, you are being violent and oppressive, and I am going to protest to make you expose yourself. So protest is not getting violent and showing aggression. Now, that does not mean sitting back and just quietly taking all the abuse that's heaped upon you. So, right. I mean, for, for you know, on the other side of the fence, there are many people, mostly white people, um, for whom protest means you, know, you spend an hour coming up with like a Harry Potter pun for your cardboard sign, and then you march along a police-designated <laughs> route, and then you go home afterwards. And that's protest. And so it's, you know, it's, it's a somewhat casual approach for protest. And I, I think the, the only way people are able to take that casual approach to protest is if they have the privilege of being able to go home and just switch it off. Mm -hmm. So if they could ignore right. injustice when they go home, um, for them, protest is an event. But for, there are so many people for whom injustice won't let you forget that it exists. Injustice mm -hmm. won't let you forget who it thinks you are and it won't let you switch off after that march is over. So for these people, for the oppressed people, for the marginalized people, a protest is much more than a two-hour event. It needs to disrupt the social structure. And so effective protest, it should be impossible to ignore, but also impossible to blame. And so you don't want to find any fault with it. And so that's that's why I think Gandhi in this film is the perfect representation. Like, I think everybody who wants to protest something should see this film to see how it's done, because there are just so many ineffective or even harmful approaches to protest. And yeah. this film just exposes all those. Mm -hmm. Um and so and the film doesn't try to sugarcoat either saying like, hey, if you just do this, everything will magically work out. The film shows us protest is probably going to be painful. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was so cool. They showed that it's like if you protest an oppressive regime or an unjust establishment, they will strike you. And that's where that Bible passage comes in. Mm -hmm. They strike you. You don't turn away. You get up, you persist and you force them to either strike you again, exposing their brutality or they back down. And so you force them to say, I'm going to expose my own brutality or I'm going to back down. And because there is a social shame associated with brutality, with injustice, that is why protest works. And so Gandhi has a quote in this. He, you know, he says, do you expect us to just walk out of here? And Gandhi says, yes, in the end, you will walk out because 100,000 Englishmen simply cannot control 350 million Indians mm -hmm. if those Indians refuse to cooperate. Right. And so it's, you know, society just breaks down without, um, 
cooperation. And that's the goal of protest as well is to make things impossible to ignore. Um, and so the, the scene where citizens march peacefully into the guards and each row is just being beaten with those rods. Yeah. That's such a great example of this. And that was the moment that turned everything around. Like you noticed, like it was hard to watch that scene. People were just getting oh, yeah. beaten, it was but they so just kept hard. going. I mean, and they and <laughs> um, the women they set up with the medical, and they know it's you know. I mean, they know what's coming. Yeah, it's, it was it was so crazy, and it was even worse because it wasn't they. It was I think the slowness of it, like that. That was a good time to slow down because it wasn't just a bunch of people going in and then they all got beaten. It was like they were doing it in rows of like four and they're going in and getting, getting beaten and then they're being dragged uh-huh. away and it's like a whole big five minute thing. And then the next four people go and it was just really, I th- that was such a great scene and so powerful. Yeah. Right. And you could see the the guards who were doing the beating were getting more and more uneasy as they realized, yes. like, we were being forced to expose ourselves as brutal, unjust uh-huh. people. And then immediately, you know, the you know, the reporter who's there, Martin Sheen, I think it is mm-hmm. his character um, immediately starts making phone calls. And that's the moment that turned everything around because it was peaceful protest, totally peaceful protest that would not let up and would not mm-hmm. um, give up. And so that was a a powerful moment. And this, I think, probably more than any other film I've seen, this is a film that captures the psychology of protest. I mean, it models how protest should work um, and shows how it would probably play out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I admit I have not been a huge protester in my life. I've probably been more the sort that, you know, comes up with the Harry Potter pun on the cardboard sign. Right. Um, Me too. And yeah. And so I I need to be more of a, you know, 24 seven protester to really get this going. Um, And so I I thought that was really cool. This film did this. That's a good, uh, that's a good, uh, good thing to notice and talk about. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So that was cool. I, I kind of wanted to bring this back to current events. And so there, there is something going on, something coming to fruition in modern protests, um, where I think the driving force behind protest, which is empathy is directly under attack. Um, and so it's, I mean, like there are a lot of subtle things, but I think they're all related going on. Like civil rights are being relabeled by opponents as identity politics and PC culture. Like how many people do you mm-hmm. hear complaining about PC culture when really right. they're complaining about civil rights? They're trying to nullify conversations around justice. There's mm-hmm. this backlash saying that the majority is now the most oppressed group out there. Um, and even a lot of times when brutality is exposed, many people will defend the brutality saying the victims had it coming. Um, so there's this whole field of like asshole apologetics for ignorance and hate. So people are now mm-hmm. boldly proclaiming like I hold on to these values, these traditional values. And so things like ignorance or hate are now considered values. Um, and it's it, it's weird because like we're witnessing like a decades long propaganda effort because as I as I remember it, I think all the complaining about this started in the 90s and it has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger since then. So it's a decades long propaganda effort to remove shame as a consequence for brutality and injustice. So, I mean, if somebody protests and exposes brutality and injustice, if there are no social repercussions the efforts of the protest are severely hindered. And so the reason the protest in this movie worked is because there was a social shame associated with. Right. Um, Sorry. You know, with unjust. Yeah. Go for, uh, with um, injustice and brutality. And I think people are working systematically to remove this. Mm-hmm. 
And to me, that's kind of terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I am always about. All those, all the shame. <laughs> I mean, I, that sound, it sounds so horrible and I don't know, maybe I'm, <laughs> but, um, but th- that's, isn't that what, what helps, you know, if, if, if you have some people and also I don't like that they let the, um, a lot of the times the, the, the far right have been really kind of taking the freedom of speech and, and, and that kind of thing and mm-hmm. turning it around on itself and saying, well, it's free freedom of speech. So I should be allowed to be a racist asshole. And I'm like, well, you are right. allowed actually to be racist. You're doing it right now, but that doesn't mean that you're mm-hmm. not allowed to be shamed or like called out for it. Like that doesn't make any, doesn't make any sense. And if, if, if we allow people to continuously do that without any repercussions and how is anything going to change? So I, I don't know. So I just get excited when people talk about shame because it's all about because because I've I've made a horrible mistake in my job recently, like maybe a while oh. ago where I uh-huh. said where people didn't do what they were supposed to do and we came to a meeting and I called everyone out on it and I said oh you didn't do what you were supposed to do great okay and like then just went on and we did it <laughs> together but I got kind of in trouble for doing that and what I said in response came out like sounding really horrible but I still stand by it and that's with I don't uh-huh. see a problem with shaming people if they don't do the right thing <laughs> um, yep. and so I think that goes for you personally and professionally if you don't do the job that you're supposed to do or you're not doing the right thing and you're like causing harm to others you should be allowed to be called out on it and feel shameful for your actions they're bad poor decisions like if you didn't feel shame mm-hmm. for it then 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 that's right then then continue being an asshole or whatever if that's not shameful for you but if you're feeling some kind of shame then maybe you need to think twice about what you did <laughs> like i don't know that's just my right. kind of thinking about it but anyway that's why i got so excited when you said shame i'm like mm, yeah <laughs> Right. Yeah, shame. Yeah, shame. shame yeah. everyone. I could use this at work. Yes. <laughs> I know. Um, I was like, <laughs> if Gandhi um, was doing yeah. this job right now, he would be fine. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe you should hire Gandhi as your assistant. Maybe. So. So. Yeah, there you go. Because <laughs> that's a job mm-hmm. that should exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, just um, to be Gandhi. Yeah, and so I, I think a large part of protest, like I was saying, protest is not just marching along a police-designated line and then going home. Like, protest is a 24-7 job. And I think a big part of protest is perpetuating the shame that should exist. Yeah. You know? Um, you should be so ashamed for away. beating so, up someone who is not hurt, hurting you for like, you know, that should be a shameful right. thing. It's brutality. It's okay. Yeah, it's shameful. So anyway. <laughs> and yeah, it is exhausting trying to keep up with that right now. And so... <laughs> I know. Um, like, I mean, there are a lot of times when, you know, I just retreat. I was like, you know what? I don't have to deal with this. I'm just going to close social media right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a privilege afforded to me by who I am that exactly. I don't have to deal with this. Yep. Um, yep. But, you know, there are people who do have to deal with this day in and day out. And so, you know, I, I do owe it to them to take on some of the burden, the, you know, emotional turmoil, um, emotional toil of, you know, taking on some of this protest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, this. Uh, this is a film that I think made me think about protest, and so for that, I'm yeah. grateful. Yeah, for me, in terms of mental health, like I, like you said, I didn't really find anything overtly, you know. And I think, you know, 
we can assume that Gandhi probably would say that you should treat people with a mental illness just like you treat your brothers kind of thing. So that wasn't like mm-hmm. a real kind of thing. And the, the one thing that I was really thinking about um, was like the whole caste system in India because that always so, – you know, when I first learned about that, the caste system, I was just so like kind of like bewildered when I was younger, like that that can still happen when even if you think about it, we also have a caste system kind of in here, but it's just like not over. Mm-hmm. But there it's really like they call the the lower caste the, the, the untouchables and it's like applying implying that they can't be touched they're so dirty and i was thinking about the psychology of that and growing up in like a system that is so overt in in saying that you shouldn't deserve to have the certain things because of, because you were born in this way and that you're untouchable and you're dirty and all that stuff and so that 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 I didn't really have anything else other than like how emotionally like um, and and mentally hard that would be to grow up in that way. And um, it seems like people in America don't grow up that way, but they do. It's just not an overt thing, you know, so we do have people um, who are thought of in that way. Um, But I think because they actually name it in India, it's just... Um, it's just it was because they they have the honesty to state it, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about. Have you ever read the book um, "The God of Small Things" by Aaron Dotty Roy? I have not. No, that's one of my favorite books. Um, I think it was like 1997 or 98 when it came out, and that's a lot about the caste system. Um, I mean, it's a fiction, um, a, a novel, um, but it is. Um, it, I think it really taught me a lot about that whole caste system, and you know, all that fun stuff. So, anyway, um, long story short, if you guys haven't read The God of Small Things, you should really read The God of Small Things because it's one of my favorite books. <laughs> that sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, we I mean, like you said, we don't really have a caste system, but if you look at pe- like illegal aliens and there's people who are here illegally, mm-hmm. you look at convicted felons, you yep. um and so there there is a list of people that I think most people in society would consider untouchable. Yep. Um yeah. And the, even the people, mental ill, like mentally ill, yeah. I would say would seriously be, mentally mm-hmm. ill. And so mm-hmm. people with, you know, bipolar and schizophrenia, those are the two serious yep. mental illnesses. Um, and I have one of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And like, again, like I, I think the people that perpetuate these stereotypes, they have friends that meet these qualifications, but they just consider them like one of the good ones. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's, You're you know, not like, like oh, I know Brandon, <laughs> Brandon has bipolar, but he's not going to pick up a gun because he's one of the good ones. Right. You know? Um, and still, <laughs> you know, people are, are so happy to take away rights from these untouchables. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a frustrating thing. Yeah. Yeah. Humans. Hmm. Humans. <laughs> Humans. I will 
click the magic clicker to pick a random movie so that we can see what we will be watching and talking about for next time. So I'm clicking it, and it is the movie Juno 2007 Juno. Academy Best Screenplay. I am going to go to the IMDb and do the summary for this. Have you seen this film? But while I'm doing this, have I, you seen I this love film? Juno. Yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> Okay, yeah, film. I have yeah. I have seen this film too. And so that's um so this will be the I, I've probably seen it more than once. So um hold on. I am just look looking for the summary. <laughs> you know, like the link to IMDB, like the summary on IMDB doesn't never looks that great to me. So maybe I should use the Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> one. Um there we go. But then I clicked on <laughs> Um, Ellen Page, not Juno. So Juno does star Ellen Page and Michael Sarah um, and Jason Reitman. Okay. No. Yes. No. Sorry. I'm getting all confused. Anyway, let me just read the summary because it says Jason Reitman in here. When a teenage girl is faced with an unexpected pregnancy, she enlists the aid of her best friend in finding the unborn child a suitable home in this coming-of-age comedy drama from Thank You for Smoking director Jason Reitman. So that's the director. Juno may seem, who is played by Ellen Page, may seem wise behind her years beyond her years, but after sleeping with classmate Bleeker, who's played by Michael Sarah, the pregnant teen, quickly realizes how little she knows about life. Thankfully, thankfully, Juno has been blessed with parents, J.K. Simmons and Allison Janney, who trust their daughter's judgment, and a best friend named Leah, who's played by Olive, Olivia Thurlby. I don't, I've never, I've never said that name out loud. Um, Olivia Thurlby, who's always willing to help out. So that's really the gist of it. It's, um, teenagers right it centers around teenagers and mm-hmm. a pregnancy and figuring out how to deal with that pregnancy i guess i summed that up <laughs> in, in, ni- in 2007 <laughs> um that's when this came out so yeah i'm i'm excited to talk about this with you yeah that'd be fun so, it's been a few years since i've seen this too so yeah be fun. it's been a while for me i think i saw it like when it first came i saw it in the movie theaters and then maybe i saw it another time shortly after that like when it came out and it was like i was at my parents house or something and it was playing on hbo <laughs> or something that's probably what it was but yeah i actually yeah. this is one where i went out and bought the soundtrack like that's how much Ooh, i liked it so yeah, that's, that's back good. when you actually bought albums yeah right so. <laughs> <laughs> do people do that anymore <laughs> no uh because it's all in streaming services right, now so I somewhere know. i have a cd for juno uh-huh. so yeah like a physical disc which yeah are just like i had antiques, my I, guess, so. I had a tape for natural born killers i think <laughs> Did I think it was a tape? Maybe I had a CD by then. I don't remember, but yeah. I don't remember when CDs came out. 1990 something? Uh, well, I mean, initially it was Obviously. like the 80s, I think, but um, nobody had them until like the mid 90s. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because right. they were some super advanced technology. Because so. I remember yeah. having tapes and I remember having CDs, but I never remember like being like, yeah, CD and getting rid of all my tapes. You know, I don't remember that transition. <laughs> I don't remember what right. happened. Is it similar to A-Track, which was much smaller, I think, time period. A-Track was around uh-huh. for like not as long as tapes, maybe. I don't know. Or during the same time, maybe. 
Well, anyway, this that, is yeah, getting the, off topic. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're getting off topic. Yeah. So back, yeah. back to mental health. Back, yeah, back so. to mental health. No. So the next movie that we're going to see is Juno uh, 2007. And so, Brandon, now that we've talked about what we're going to see next time, would you like to take us away? Sure. So uh, first of all, uh, to all the listeners, thank you for listening. Um, thank you for tuning in. You can catch more of our shows online. We're uh, at peculiarpicture.show. That is our website. And so from there, you can stream all the episodes online. We have a few extras. Um, there are links to our Twitter profiles. Um, and additionally, there are links to our like Spotify account, stuff like that. Additionally, I do my own movie reviews at brandontalksmovies.com. And I have some of my mental health writing at monsteronmyback.pub. Uh, and you're, if you if you're the sort that's on Facebook, we are at online at Facebook at facebook.com slash peculiar picture show. So that is all I've got. And right. we'll see you next time. We will see you next time for Juno.